It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Well, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, We hope that uh, so far the start of your holiday season is going well. Here we are in December, and the best news is we don't have to worry about uh, any labor issues no longer. At least it appears that way, that a deal has been struck, um, the details of which are still to be ironed out and and, and figured out by uh, the media and evaluated. But, you know, we are moving forward, and that's the best thing, labor piece in this game. Uh, for another handful of years, and joining us to talk about that and much more, my good friend Andy Freight. Andy, hopes uh, hope the holiday season's off to a good start for you. The sad part is that not only is Thanksgiving over, but now all the leftovers have been eaten, and so now we got to wait a whole other year for Thanksgiving again. But uh, no, it's been wonderful, and of course, like you, I'm thrilled that there will be no strikes, no lockouts, um, and all that. You know, I, I to me, and I am certainly by no means any sort of authority on it, but just almost just from a fan standpoint. I look at this, not knowing anything behind the scenes, and I always think that there's probably, um, you know, the, the big market owners and the small market owners probably have their own issues amongst the owners. And then you've got a union, a players' union, that is very, very strong. I and mean, you compare the, the Major League Baseball players' union compared to the NFL or even the other sports, I mean, it's not even in the same league. Mm-hmm. Uh, the baseball players' union is so much stronger than the, the NFL guys, to me, just get totally taken advantage of over and over again. Um, but, hey, maybe that works better for that league, but that's not going to work well for baseball. But the fact that they all realize that I wish they had 20-some years ago that there's so much money to be made uh, for everyone involved uh, that there's no point in ever really stopping it. Now, that being said, my sense is that there's probably not a whole lot different uh, than, than what it's been. So, okay, well, you know, the smaller market teams are going to have to deal with what they have to deal with. And, you know, I laugh when I hear quotes from Brian Cashman about how the the recent deals have just been devastating to the Yankees. Crimea River, pal. Um, so, look, it's the way it's going to be. But you know what? Uh, it, it, the Rays, and I say this as a compliment, have no one to blame but themselves for, uh, uh, for what they did in 08, breaking that glass ceiling, so to speak, of that the other smaller market teams can't make it. Uh, the Rays have proven that you can make it if you're a smaller market team, and you can win. Uh, within this division, and a, and a smaller market team can win any division. So that's that's really one of the the great legacies of the Rays in 08 because people may forget it did not seem possible that a team other than Red Sox or Yankees could win the American League East. The Rays proved you could do it on about a forty million dollar payroll. Things have only gotten more difficult, but they won it again in ten. Talent is the true currency, and if the Rays procure the correct amount of talent that they can still win this division. I absolutely believe that. No doubt in Kansas City and Cleveland, recent examples. And I look to also just a fan perspective, just to have labor peace. I mean, it does mean something, especially on the heels of the kind of World Series, the ratings we had, the momentum for the game. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. You know, I couldn't help but think during the World Series, and this is just the, the uh, I don't even know what, what side of me this is, but as much as I was enjoying the World Series, I kept thinking, you know, if the Indians had won it, and, and I, who didn't think that they were going to when they were up three games to one, then we could have another year, perhaps, of the Cubs, who we know are going to be good, trying to break the curse. Now they've broken their curse. I wouldn't have minded another year of that drama building where, may, you know, are they ever going to win it? Well, now 
who do we have left that's in a huge drought? I guess maybe the Indians become that team uh, that, that people can, can kind of gather around and root for. But, you know, it was in the big markets. You know, Boston had their great run, and then the White Sox had their, you know, their tremendous run where they didn't win a World Series. Now the Cubs, you can cross them off the list. So who are the teams left that have these giant, so, so to speak, curses or these, these tremendous runs without winning a World Series? We're kind of out of them now. So what's going to be so exciting next year in October? Who knows? Maybe we'll see the Cubs can win it again. Well, I don't know that we saw excitement in July with the way the All-Star game was structured, but one of the things that's leaked out over this uh, agreement that's got to be ratified is the fact that the All-Star game and the result doesn't mean anything other than it appears that it's going to be more money for the winning players. And that's fine. You know, I've never had a huge problem, by the way, with the, with the home field advantage from the All-Star game. I know Dave, we talk about it all the time on the air. Dave mm-hmm. hates it, and I, and I can understand that uh, because it is an exhibition game. Uh, and I can understand why Bud Selig decided to make it about home field events because it was becoming more than the tie in 2002 in Milwaukee. It was becoming more or less just kind of a, a weak show. I mean, to me, the one that always stands out is Barry Bonds picking up Torrey Hunter, and it was just almost like it was a backyard pickup game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I didn't care for that. I, and I know it's an exhibition game, but I like the fact that the players are trying to win because they, they, it was like that for many, many years. So I didn't have, you know, there wasn't a great system before of picking the, the World Series. It just alternated. So I'm okay with it being the, the, yeah. the team that has the best record. I'm completely fine with that. I, I think there should be more advantages to a league winning uh, in interleague. If we're going to have this interleague, which I wouldn't mind if it went away, but it's not going to, then I think there needs to be more advantage to the league that wins interleague, to the teams that have the best interleague record. If, if we're going to do it, you might as well make it where it counts. The one thing I did want to see that we didn't get was uh, the roster being oh. reduced in September. I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum. Um, I, I kind of like the idea, if they had gone to it, of a 26-man, it looks like it's going to stay 25 for the foreseeable future. Yep. I, I, it certainly seems like that. And, you know, I, I, as someone who just loves baseball, and, and I know you do and Dave does and we all do, I, the fact that it changes so much in September is just, I mean, it's a completely different game. And I don't know how on one side of their mouths they can talk about pace of play, and then September comes and all the breaks are put on because the Yankees and, and every other team that can bring up uh, all those players can suddenly basically just, it's almost like the October style that we saw this year when pitchers were coming in in the third and fourth inning. It's like that's kind of the way it's played throughout all of September. It's too many guys on the roster. And there's so many different fluctuations of rosters. The Rays may have 32 players, and they're playing a Yankee team that has 39 players. And it's just, I, I don't enjoy that. But look, if that's, if that's the way it is, if that's what it took to get labor peace, then I guess we're just going to have to swallow our pride, and, and that's, that's what we deal with. Exactly. And hey, look, while we're not going to get a 26-man roster for the full season, which probably would have been a compromise toward that, one thing that apparently is changing is the DL. Having a 10-day DL versus a 15 may change the way teams use their rosters and, you know, when they decide, hey, you need a break for a little bit. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm of the, uh, I lean on people like you that are smarter than me that can figure these things out. You, you explained to me <laughs> a couple of years ago so I could understand it uh, about, how, uh, about how some of these things work. You have a wonderful grasp of these things, and, and you're good at predicting how it's going to play out. I don't know. I'm more of a kind of a wait-and-see Let's see how it plays out um, uh, and how this will change things. It, it very likely could change things. I just don't, I'm not smart enough to see into the future, I guess, on how it's going to play out. But I think you're right, and I tend to trust you 
and 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 how it's ultimately going to going to break down. Now, what often and, and kind of like replay also. Like in the very beginning, I didn't quite understand the whole thing of replay, but like Joe Torrey said at a time, it's going to take a few years for everyone to kind of get a grasp of it. So I'm not good at predicting how it's going to work, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I feel like I'm better at kind of realizing how, when it happens, how tweaks could happen along the way. So I'm not quite sure how the DL thing is going to play out. You might have a better opinion than me on that, but uh, but I'm certainly curious because ultimately it will change things. It, it will. I mean, it's not going to be as vast as, let's say, uh, what we dealt with in the minors. They had a seven-day disabled list, and I think if you yeah. went that far, you'd probably have a lot of roster manipulation with guys up and down and off the DL, on the DL, based on the next upcoming opponent. But I think you're going to see some roster manipulation with a 10-day DL versus 15, and I'm curious how teams try to take advantage of the rule. I think it is hard to predict. I think, um, you know, the one thing that was talked about so much in this bargaining session was an international draft. And the one thing I like from um, the smaller revenue team's perspective is that everybody is at least on an equal playing field now, Uh, at least so it appears. I mean, we'll get more details as we go, but it appears that everybody's going to have the same spending cap, and it seems like a fairly reasonable spending cap. So you're not going to have a Yohan Moncada where all of a sudden he's going to be outbid by one team, uh, and it's going to be a, a big market team that's able to do so. Right. I, I'm all for, and this isn't just because you know we work with the Rays, who tend to be a smaller market team that has many more financial constraints, but I'm all for anything that creates the level playing field, that, that, that can give the smaller market teams a chance. And I don't buy into uh, a lot of the thoughts and theories of, well, you know, these certain teams, enough teams, what, 25 of the 20, uh, 25 to 29 teams, something like that, have made the playoffs. Well, yeah, but that, that's a, a hidden ball trick. Mm-hmm. That's because they've lowered the threshold of what is making the playoffs. Yeah. You know, when we were growing up and there was four playoff teams, well, you had to win a, a division, and, and it's just different now. I, I almost don't look as if you make the wild card game making the playoffs. I mean, you've, you've extended your season by maybe one game. Uh, and that's all right. I mean, that's okay. But to me, that, that's not a sufficient answer. That, to me, does not equate to leveling the playing field. So anything, I would have loved to have seen an international draft. I would have loved to have seen them totally uh, flatten this thing out and make it fair for all teams. But I think that's when you probably come back to the inner strife amongst the owners of big market versus small market. That, that's, to me, that, that's more of a story uh, of what is probably truly behind the scenes of all these negotiations of getting all the owners to agree to something when there's such vast different, different uh, differences between you know a Tampa Bay and a New York when they're competing in the same division, uh, uh, a Colorado and a, and a San Diego, whatever. You know, I don't know all the markets off the top of my head and how they rank, but uh, look, it, it, we, they all make enough money where they should be able to to succeed, and that's what we've seen. So look, it's not going to. I don't think there's going to be great big changes. You no. know, it, it doesn't look to me like there's massive changes. So the Rays are in the same position they've been. They've shown that it can be done, uh, and and that's that's just kind of the constrictions that we're going to have to to play within. I'm all even if, if I was a fan of the Yankees, if I was a fan of the Red Sox, if I was a fan of a monster market team, I'd still want it to be even because I I, I think. Better competition is ultimately better for the sport. Now, I doubt that you would you would ever get the big market owners to agree to that, but that's the way I see it. The, the one thing that I do want to bring up before we move on to the winter meetings is from a player standpoint. You know, I do hope that the changes that they made regarding draft compensation do help the players because I think it was unfortunate in some situations 
that a player would sit out there, he's worked this hard to get to this point where he thinks he can maximize value, and because of a draft pick tied to him um, and, and how he was valued because of that draft pick, he might not have gotten as much money. He might have gotten fewer years, and now the hope is, is that that's lessened through this deal. You know what's funny is that you look over the course of time at all these labor negotiations, and they have been discussing the same things mm -hmm. for decades and decades and decades. I mean, as I recall, the, the 81 strike, uh, the one that hit when you and I were kids, and it just devastated the whole summer, what a rotten summer 1981 was, mm -hmm. was about free agent compensation. So we're still talking about the same sort of things. You know, you look at what a lot of the um, original labor strife was about in the 60s, and a lot of it was about the same sort of thing that, that they're talking about. Nothing ever really gets done in a massive way. It's not going to change in a, in a giant way. It will be tweaked. Um, so we're still, if you could look back to the early 1900s and some of the issues that were going on back then, before even there was a players' union, it was many of the issues that were <laughs> being discussed right now. So I, I just don't think that there's ever going to be giant change within the industry. Um, but I think that there will be tweaks that, that hopefully along the way can make it a more of a playing ground. To me, the number one thing is, is, uh, uh, is non-strikes and non-lockouts. And everybody can make their money, and we as fans can, can spend our summers watching the soap operas of these teams that we love so much. And speaking of, we do have the winter meetings coming up. And look, the Rays have not been terribly active in terms of moves at the meetings. Usually stuff happens before or stuff happens after. But I still think the needs are the same. I still think bullpen is number one. Um, I'm, if they can improve the catching, great. But I think overall improving of the defense and improving the bullpen pitching are probably the two top needs. You know, well, that has to be, absolutely. And, and I like the fact that the Rays seemed like they were trying very hard for Jason Castro, according to, to the reports. That's wonderful. I, I think it shows that they're really trying to make a, a step forward. and uh, that sort of thing. But, you know, having been to the winter meetings now, and although, look, we're not behind the scenes in these hotel rooms and we don't know exactly what goes on, with, with communication being what it is, I'm not quite sure exactly why we do have the winter meetings anymore. I, it's an awful lot of fun to be there. And it's, it does give baseball the, the chance to grab some headlines during the offseason at a time where, you know, they've kind of gone dormant. The, the World Series is over, and we're not yet to spring training, and everybody's excited about potential trades and free agent signings. But don't we live in a time with telephones and emails and texting and communication? So I don't know if it makes that much of a difference to have all those people together in the same rooms. Maybe it sets things up for, for as you're talking about, for later deals, and maybe there is something always that's going to be uh, valuable to, to have GMs together in the same. But how much do they actually get together? I'm, I'm not even really sure. We, we probably could survive as an industry without it. Uh, and I wouldn't, you know, there are teams that don't send, that don't send big contingents to the winter mm -hmm. meetings anymore. But, you know, to me, if it gives baseball attention, I'm all for that. It gives me something to watch on MLB Network. I know that. Uh, and I, and I, I like the, the theory of hot stove, and this is when these moves are made. And I'm very curious to see how the Rays uh, evolve. Uh, to me, it's an, e it's an endless, fascinating story, the Tampa Bay Rays, and, and how they're dealing with what they've dealt with. After proving that it can be done, we know we need bullpen help. We know we need catching help. We know that we need more from the guys that we got You know, mm -hmm. in other deals. You know, Corey Dickerson and Steven Sousa Jr. are gigantic parts of this team. Kevin Kiermaier, offensively, it's a big part of this team. If those guys make large steps forward, the Rays are going to be very good next year, but I think we all know bullpen and catching need some help. No doubt about it. Andy, uh, enjoy the, the continued peace, and hopefully uh, P 
peace for you and your family during the holiday season. You as well. Thank you so much. We'll talk again. So we certainly appreciate Andy Freed being with us and obviously wish him and his family a very safe and happy holiday season. We're happy there's labor peace. And that brings us to our next guest, now a senior vice president of the Tampa Bay Rays from the baseball operations side. That would be, or I guess GM, whatever we want to call him now. That's Eric Neander. Congratulations uh, belatedly on the uh, on the new title. And uh, I guess it's good news that we do have labor peace going forward. Uh, thank you, Neil. I appreciate it. Um... Yeah, no, I think uh, with respect to, to labor peace, that's a, that's a great thing. There was some amount of uncertainty uh, in terms of how this would resolve and win, um, and ha- to have it put to bed and to know that there's going to be continuity uh, within the game is is certainly a good thing uh, for the sport and for, for the fans um, as a whole. Does much change, and, and is it more of kind of a feeling out process as to what took place, and now you got to figure out, okay, how do you work with it? Yeah, I think at this point, you know, the fact that the agreement was reached yesterday, there's still a lot for us to learn um, about some of the details of it and how it'll play out, um, you know, likely consequences, unintended consequences, et cetera. Um, you know, it, it's something that at this point we are very much in a, you know, learn and digest state than we are uh, knowing exactly how it will, will impact us. But, again, I think to have labor peace and to have things stable – uh, and for there to be continuity um, within the game is, is certainly a positive thing right now. And that leads you to the upcoming trip to D.C. Uh, for the baseball winter meetings, which now we know for sure they'll have. Um, how much do things now pick up in terms of business? And were they slowed at all by the fact that you were waiting to see what was going to happen? Yeah, I think uh, to some extent the the uncertainty that existed probably um, – you know, knowing the deadline was forthcoming and was almost here, I think it probably slowed things down a little bit or checked some things up from from happening. Um, so, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily that like a dam, so to speak, is about to break, but it's, um, you know, I, I would expect activity with the certainty in place, the activity to to pick up. Um, and, and certainly, um, I, I think you'll see a lot of activity next week as a result of that and just the general catalyst that the winter meetings seem to be for for transactions as a whole. Your title is different. Is much changed, though, and do you expect it to be much different for you in D.C. than, let's say, it's been in past years? I think historically, and, and as long as, as I've been fortunate enough to be here, um, it's, it's been a very collaborative environment. And in, in the way that we go about doing our business, um, I think our focus is as a group, you know, and where we, we place them might, might move around a little bit. But in terms of decision making and how we go about executing things, um, you know, we have a tremendous staff, and and that will remain something that we we lean on heavily to to make our our decisions. Um, and with respect to next week, um, you know, we we expect something similar like similar to that type of approach to play out. Are we further along? Uh, are we not as far along? Let's say past. You know, you have usually a good ideas to conversations, activity. How does this year to this point of the off season maybe compare to others? Uh, it's a great question. I think, you know, where where we are right now, um, you know, we, we have a lot of quality pieces. We have a lot of quality talent um, that I think you might not necessarily go hand-in-hand hand with the record we we just had. Um, you know, and this general supply-demand that, that's out there across the industry is something that probably creates a little bit more, you know, interest and activity um, with respect to our personnel itself. But, um, you know, I think any year, whether you're coming off a lot of wins, a lot of losses, anywhere in between, um, you know, you're, you're better players and your players as a whole tend to be asked about this time of year. Um, you know, the winter meetings and the weeks that follow, I think, are really the time when, 
teams start to zero in on what what they want and how much they're willing to give up to do it um, by trade and also by free agency and um, you know that in and of itself probably isn't a whole lot different than any other year but you know there's a lot that we need to do at this point to uh, to be where we want to be moving forward what are the major needs to you you know we I, I chatted with Andy Freed earlier in the podcast and we have our thoughts and opinions but what's your take as to what you'd like to accomplish going into 2017 well you know I think when when you come off of the year that we just had and the last few years that, that we had, um, that's certainly not where, as an organization, we want to be. Um, and there's a there's a strong desire, and not that there wasn't any of those years or heading into those years, to be competitive and to be competitive again and to be competitive soon. Um, you know, how we, how we go about doing that is something that, um, you know, it, it could take on a lot of different shapes and forms as, as we move forward. And from our end, the... The, the best thing that we can do is to be prepared for as many scenarios as possible, um, to be prepared on as many player valuations as possible so that when things do get fast, when they start to pick up, when the expected happens, when the unexpected happens, that, that we're ready to go and we're ready to jump on things and opportunities when they, when they present themselves. So, um, you know, it really comes down to preparation and, and reacting and responding to the opportunities that are in front of us. The one thing that, to me, jumps out at last year was run prevention whether you look at it because of bullpen, whether you look at it because of defense, the team gave up more than 70 runs above in 16 what are allowed in 15. Is that a major area of focus from the organization standpoint? Yeah. I mean, the the goal on any given night is to win by at least one, you know, <laughs> and if it's one nothing, if it's 7-6, if it's 10-9, uh, we will gladly take all of them. Um and how those games play out, the stresses and the look of them are obviously very different. But, you know, our goal is to win by at least one every night. And, um, you know, last year the opportunities that presented themselves to us uh, were probably more on the offensive side than they have been in a while. Um, you know, that, that's, that's just kind of the way it went. Uh, recognized by doing that um, that it, it weakened us in other areas and probably with respect to our DNA and, and how we've formed teams in the past certainly came together differently than – than that, but um, you know, I don't think it's something where last year I think in our minds wasn't an overcorrection from anything in the past. I don't think that this year will be an overcorrection <laughs> to what happened last year. Um, our goal is to to find value wherever we can, however we can, um, and if that's by adding more offense, then then great. If it's by adding more pitching, great. If it's by adding more defense uh, and getting back to you know the look of some of the teams we've had in the past. Great, it's strictly about the opportunity and where it's at, and to give us the best chance to uh, to win by one. Well, good luck in doing that. We certainly appreciate some time, and uh, hopefully a very successful stretch in DC coming up. Thanks very much, Neil. Appreciate it. Again, that's Eric Neander of the Rays, and you can follow what we're doing or what the Rays are doing through our blog, RaysRadio.MLBlogs.com, and we'll have a podcast after the winter meetings. Thanks very much for joining us. Talk to you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon's 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.